Hey everyone, Bill here, and in case you didn't see it from earlier this week, I am running a contest on this week's episode of A Gamer Looks at 40. This episode contains 17 songs from various games in the Nintendo 64 library. First person to submit which game all 17 songs are from by 11.59pm on April 10th will win a $25 gift card to the e-store of their choice. Nintendo, Sony, Microsoft, whatever. Steam. Totally up to you. A um, couple of notes. These are mostly deep cuts. I'm saving the well-known songs for the other episodes in this series. And one game is represented twice. I, I didn't really know that when I put this together. So basically 17 songs across 16 games. Um, and even if you only get like 12 or 13 or hey, even four, send it in anyway. You know, if you guess four, you may be the only person that sends me something. And boom. You get you win the $25 gift card. So if nobody gets 17, the closest to it wins the prize. Send all entries to either my Twitter at a gamer looks at 440 or email me at a gamer looks at 440 at gmail.com. Once again, send them to Twitter or Gmail at a gamer looks at 440. Good luck and enjoy the episode. When thinking about the Nintendo 64, I am always struck by where it stands in history. It's one of the biggest, eh, we'll get around to it, in gaming. In 1996, which was the year the Nintendo 64 was released to the public, the Sega Saturn and 32X had a two-year head start. They were already in the market since 1994 as well as the Upstar PlayStation, also released in 94. And the PlayStation, in 96, they were still looking for a system seller. Crash Bandicoot was coming that year, and Final Fantasy VII was still a year away. And what was Nintendo doing in 94 when the 32-bit systems and the CD-based systems were all taking off? They were keeping their trusty 16-bit Super Nintendo alive with games like Final Fantasy VI and Donkey Kong Country, and one year later, Chrono Trigger. To put it in perspective, to really put the era in perspective, here's a clip of Nintendo of America's Howard Lincoln speaking at the 1996 E3 conference. Our goal with Nintendo 64 is to create the best games, not the most games. I don't believe that everyone in this business can create first-class games on Nintendo 64, given the requirement that uh, games be programmed in a real 3D environment on the fly, which you've seen today. And that's why we've associated Nintendo 64 with only a few world-class developers. Here's some of the great games that you're going to be seeing later in 1996. Notice the relaxed tone in his voice. The way he sounds almost at ease. It's hard to hear it, but if you see it, he is unconcerned. He's almost condescending in the way he talks about the industry. Not just any developer can build games for the N64, so we handpicked a few of the best. 
It's easier to see than hear, but it's the mannerisms and behavior of a person who knows their next system is going to be a hit regardless of the competition. Nintendo doesn't need to win. They are going to win. That's the expectation. And they almost did. The Nintendo 64 sold almost 33 million copies worldwide, three times the amount of the Sega Saturn. But they also lost. The Sony PlayStation, thought to be the dark horse in the race, sold an astonishing 102.4 million units and set Sony up to be a major player in the home console race until today. But what about the N64 now? And more importantly, how did we feel about it then? Is the N64 the innovative console that beat Sega once and for all and ushered in a world of unique play experiences? Or is it the system that lost to Sony due to lack of developer support, a goofball controller, and substandard games? On this episode of A Gamer Looks at 40, we begin our four-episode walk through the Nintendo 64 by discussing the system itself, how we received it, how we played it, who we played it with, and the dozens of memories made along the way. So the coming ITV news, when it comes to video games, the more bits, the better, and the new machine from Nintendo is as good as it gets. You know, it's not even Halloween yet, but millions of kids already know what they want for Christmas. A new video game system called Nintendo 64. Nintendo's new game machine is 64 bits, making it the most powerful machine on the market. Herb Weisbaum tells us all about it. Just a few years ago, this was state-of-the-art. Flat and two-dimensional, with characters who had very limited movements. With Nintendo's 64-bit technology, it's a whole new game. Now Mario lives in a 3D world, and you can make him go wherever you want. Whatever you thought about video games before, set it aside, try it, it's a whole new experience. The N64 is truly breakthrough technology. Nintendo took the power of a $100,000 computer workstation and put it into an affordable home game machine. The result? Some of the best video games ever made. The graphics engine is much tighter, much cleaner, and, um, you know, it, it is really the kind of graphics that we had always hoped that, that we could see. Well, now we're actually starting to see them. Clearly, the N64... To say the N64 was a divisive system would be a serious understatement, and the people I interviewed represent that schism. Before we embark on the positive, or at least the kind of, sort of, okay, it was fine, not really, Let's delve into the dark side with Ryan Payne and Blue Williams of the Gamers Week podcast as they air some grievances with the Nintendo 64. This was, I was going to start with this, and I'm glad that you named your little avatar here on the, the cast site what you did. Because <laughs> I have to come out and just ask the hard question. Sure. Journalistically, <laughs> why do you hate... Nay, loathe the Nintendo 64 console. Why? 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 So as, you, as I think you're alluding to, uh, I'm uh, a well-known N64 hater. Yes. Uh, and 
So it, it it really for one I did not have an N64 growing up. I okay. transferred over to the PlayStation 1. So there is no nostalgic value for me, which Gotcha. There's a lot of things that I have on my collection that are are garbage, but I like them because of that nostalgia piece, so totally get it as far as people. But also with the N64, it's it has a an interesting niche that just really doesn't fit my desire when it comes to games. So for one, uh, I'm a huge fan of JRPGs, and there are, I think, two RPGs, realistically, uh, if you don't count Zelda as an RPG, uh, on the system itself. So I think it's like Quest, Quest 64, Ogre Battle 64. And of course, it has sixty four at the end. And Quest sixty four, not not great. I don't, I don't know. No, I, uh, it's not. Yeah, <laughs> it's heard, really. I've heard not. very bad things. <laughs> so that starts it off. So for one, you're missing a genre that I absolutely love. Which, by the way, at the same time, uh, the competing console with the PlayStation was uh, oh. knocking it out of the park. Oh, rife with it. Yes, absolutely, mm-hmm. absolutely. So naturally, there's there's part of that. So, uh, two, it took a lot of the things that I really enjoyed about the Super Nintendo and forced them into the the gimmick of the time, where everyone wanted every thing to be 3d but the problem is that all of these really great franchises for example like castlevania or Mega Man, just weren't 3d t- style games and sure. what we see is that it was this push to make them into 3d and as a result of that the gameplays uh are uh, take away w- what was fun about those particular games so what i find is that there's a little bit of like i don't know like resentment that that those franchises were lost uh, because we were pushing it so hard to make it 3D. Yeah. Uh, so there's some of that. So also there's just, there's not a lot of games on the system. If I remember right, mm-hmm. there's only 200 uh, plus, 220. Something so. along those lines. Yeah, yeah, probably. Yeah, but yeah, there's not a lot. It is a pretty thin library for sure. Yeah. Uh, the one thing I do like about it, of course, is the cartridge piece so that you don't have to deal with the, the thing saying loading for, for a moment as you go along. So that, that is certainly True. a plus. Uh, but there was a, a lot of limitations as to what you could do with the system. And as I understand, development for it made it really difficult. So it, it pushed a lot of those game developers that I had so loved for years away from that particular system. Since we were talking about the N64 um, and your clear hatred, of, <laughs> I had uh, your 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 cohort Ryan Rybread was on um, last week. Yes, another big na- fan. Yes, and he actually named his little character here on the on the site N64 Hater. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds that checks out. Yeah, it definitely checks. Yeah, it, it uh, passes the check. So, um, you said that when you saw when you played, your parents got it for you. Mm-hmm. You looked at it, and in your words. It hurt your eyes. <laughs> like it literally offended your sensibilities. Does it do so now? Yes. That has okay, not changed, unfortunately. That's not changed. Huh. Yeah. It's just. What about it? It, it was so difficult because there are, you know, the N64, or sorry, the NES, it, it's fairly primitive, right? But there are still some, some you know, bright colors and it's it's fairly. You can find some pretty games on the the NES. Now, by the time you get to the Super Nintendo, it's like, wow, the developers knew what they were doing. They knew how to maximize everything about this console and its capabilities. And there are some absolutely, like, drop-dead gorgeous games on the Super Nintendo. And then you're supposed to go from that to this, like, clunky, 
polygonal, <laughs> like it looks like a bad fever dream of a console <laughs> just because it's 3D. Everybody's going nutter butters. I'm like, but it looks horrible. <laughs> Are you kidding me? So, well, I don't know. I mean, I think a lot of the games were pretty, pretty, pretty horrible looking at it on it. It's it's funny. I am going to do an N64 episode, and I think half of it's going to be people just dunking on it, saying how much it sucks. <laughs> it's like, so I, I, gotta, I think the N64 was, whether or not you liked the N64 was highly influ- influenced by what age you were when mm. it was released. I was in high school. So, yeah. I mean, yeah, I'm 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 not the kid who's just gonna go. Oh, look how neat it is! It's 3D. It's like, no, no, this sucks. I don't know. Maybe I was just basic, but I I, I liked my N64. is fine. Next up, Greg Seward from the Player One Podcast and Julian from Nerds Without Pants share the tales of how they received their Nintendo 64s and their first impressions of it. So when the N64 was coming out, I was actually, um, there was a, a chain of local game rental stores here. Uh, well, sales and rentals. And um, I had recently moved from, so I grew up in Halifax and that's where this chain started, but they had opened a store in Charlottetown, Prince Edward Island, which is a, a tiny province just north of Nova Scotia, which is also a tiny province. Mm-hmm. And uh, I had moved over there to manage that store. So um, the guy who owned the place, Masood was his name, uh, the owner had imported the N64 with Super Mario. I think Super Mario 64 was the only thing he had, actually. And so we actually, as a store, were renting out the import machine to people. Um, oh. And of course, being you know one of the employees of the store, if the N64 hadn't been rented, I could take it home at night. So <laughs> nice. So yeah. So I played through Mario 64, uh, the import Mario 64, um, and it was. I mean, I was blown away. There was nothing like it. It was so. And I was a big like Tomb Raider fan as well. Um, but it did sort of. We were in the f- the early years of 3D action games, and um, it did. 3d action game like nothing else right it still felt like a mario game strangely enough i couldn't believe how it did uh feel so much like a traditional mario game so yeah i played through that absolutely loved it and then day one when the system was released in the in north america i i bought one and bought mario again and well bought it for the first time myself right and played through it again I don't think I have ever been as excited for anything in my life as the Nintendo 64. <laughs> wow. Um, okay. You know, I so I was a I have I was always a huge video game magazine uh, reader, especially because I was very I my parents didn't let me get any consoles for a long time, but I would just but they would let me buy magazines. So I used to experience video games stole, solely through magazines and friends' homes for until I was eleven, uh, and and so you know. I would buy magazines because it had a new screenshot of Mario 64 or it had a better, like a clearer picture of the controller for the then ultra 64, which I still maintain is a better name and a better design. Like that color scheme was awesome. Um, hundred percent agree. So like, I like just, I would, I would, 
we were just like devouring every little scrap of information going up to it. And I was in high school and uh, there was a, I had a friend named Devin who was just as excited as me. And when we would pass each other in the hallways, we would say Mario 64 rules. And, like it was like <laughs> our bread and butter thing. Like we would just do that every time we would see each other in the hallway until we could finally like get it. And I'll, you know, I'll never forget that first time going to Toys R Us when they had the kiosks up. And getting my hand on that analog stick for the first time and controlling Mario in three dimensions. Um, and I remember the first Nintendo Power with Mario 64 maps where it was like, oh, right. The maps have to be different now. They can't just, you know, stitch together the screens. Like, Good they have point. to do these actual drawn maps because everything's like... Like vertical 3D. now, <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's weird. That's a very good point. Sure, sure. Um, I actually have a funny story to lead into that, go for or, it. or to come to springboard off of that. Yeah, go for it. So, um, my friend Devin called me and he said, "Best Buy broke street date. They have them right now and they're selling them." <gasps> and so, like, I got my dad to drive me down to Best Buy, and by the time we got there, the systems were gone. But the games were still there. They had broken street date on everything. So I wow. bought Mario 64 and Pilot Wings, which were the launch titles of the system. That's, that was the right. entire launch. That's it. Um, and this was like a week early, mind you. And, you know, I, I'm, a, wow. I'm a collector. I, I love physical media. Mm-hmm. And I just poured over that beautiful full-color instruction booklet oh. every day for a week. <laughs> like any bit of free time I had, I was just like thumbing through that instruction manual. And I was like, Oh, I'm going to do this move. And then I, I'm going to, Oh, then you can follow up nice. that move with this move. Oh, and I was, I, like it, it was, I was so it, it like so rabid for it. Um, and, mm. and you know, like, that's I, great. Yeah. Um, I, and I remember the day that I got it. Um, cause I was working by that point. So that, that's how I was able to get it was that I had been saving my, my work money for it. And my dad, I got my dad to actually go to Best Buy on that Sunday to pick it up for me. And, you know, this is back in the days when, like, pre-orders weren't really a thing. And you really just had to, like, get there early enough. Yeah. yeah. And, and games weren't at the fever pitch that they are now to where it was like, yeah, you can pretty, if, if you were there, you could pretty much get it. Um, yeah. And so I got one that, and I remember just, like, I think I played Pilot Wings for, like, maybe half an hour that day. And then it was just all Mario 64 like in all of my free time for that entire week. And I had it finished really quickly. And then I had all 120 stars really quickly. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. Mario 64, we can get into it a little bit, but that's funny. You were able to knock it out pretty fast. Can, 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 Can I make a controversial statement? Go for it, please. I personally don't feel that most of the games on the N64 feel good other than Mario 64. I feel that they, they started with a showstopper and then, there wasn't much after that 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 could even compete. Like Banjo Kazooie blows it out of the water as far as looks. Yeah. I, I don't want to touch Banjo Kazooie with a ten foot pole. I think that game is just boring as all hell and just just not a fun game to play. Um, but again, like like I just thought Mario just it just did it all better. Um, and. So the, the N64 is is was kind of the beginning of my my slow decline of Nintendo fandom. Mm-hmm. 
Continuing the reminiscing, Raji, also known as Super Nintendo on Twitch, shares how he acquired his system, and then Dan from Retro Logic Podcast brings a ray of sunshine into this conversation with his glowing thoughts on the Nintendo 64. Did you have an N64 growing up? Uh, here's the deal. Yeah, I have a okay. great story about that. Um, Go for it. So when you say growing up, I believe the N64 dropped... I probably was about 15 years old and I had just started my first job working in a retail store. I was 15 and a half. Yeah. You're going to say, were you 16? No, I literally did the thing uh, in in Wisconsin. It was legal and it still is. Uh, When you're 15 and a half, you get your parents permission. You know, you get dropped off to work, got my first job. Yeah. I'll get around to why, but I was about that age. Mm -hmm. Didn't have it when it launched, you know, right away. I think it might've been within that first year though. First paycheck I got for my first job. It was like, I feel like it was like 250 bucks or something like that. Mm-hmm. And I took the entire paycheck and I'm like, yep, I'm going back to the store. My mom said, what are you getting? <laughs> Nintendo 64. She's like, are you going to blow your whole paycheck, your first paycheck, all that money? You're going to blow all that on the, on the Nintendo. I'm like, yep, bye. I went out the door. <laughs> and uh, that's that's that. Literally went to the store, just got super jacked, that happy feeling, dropped the cash down. I had cash because I did get a check mm-hmm. and cash it back in the day right right not so much digital you know yeah uh, but picked it up and i still to this day and that was probably what was that 96 seven no i think i got mine in 97 yeah okay because it came I, out in 96 yeah it came out 96 so do you remember when it was it like christmas time i don't have no idea i assume i don't honestly know what what month i probably know that but um, I, you could google it out there if you want to yeah. it or wiki it go wiki it but anyway uh, th- i still have that console to this day I don't have the box, but I have Mario 64. I got the console. I got the controllers. That console. Still have it. It's in fantastic shape. Now, my question is, did you go back to the same store you worked at? To get yes. This? You yes. did? I, I, <laughs> but awesome. but I, had, I, I had to get a ride back to the store because I didn't have a oh. car and I wasn't of age to drive either. You know, I was How? 15 and I wasn't 16 yet. Oh, that's funny. So, <laughs> hey, mom, pick, you picked you up. You got your first paycheck. You're all excited. You it was probably a different two- day, yeah. Oh, okay. I'm, I'm imagining it like the same day, like Maybe. 250 bucks burning a hole in your hand and oh, turn I, around. Dude, dude so I, so I worked in like the stock area when I first started there, but I, you know, I'd, 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 I'd stock stuff and yeah. you walk by that electronics department. I, I knew exactly mm-hmm. where it was. And oh yeah, I'd walk by and break, maybe walk through and tool around. I'm like, God, N- N64, I want it. I want it, man. I want to see what this 3D Mario, what's this all about? Yeah, I want to see it. I want to play it. It's Did magic. Your... Did your store have a uh, have one of the like uh, kiosks where you could like play it so you can kind of as you're walking by just kind of sadly no but there oh, was because okay. it, it's yep. like it's it's a chain that doesn't exist anymore it's it was called Shopco it's up in it was up in the Midwest they actually owned uh, Pomidas as well if you ever heard of those stores but basically it's like a Kmart or was they're out of business now um, but our Kmart did the local Kmart had oh that's a different story for a different time but they had a Super Nintendo back in the day in the kiosk. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I would just get glued whenever we'd go shopping there for picking up stuff, whatever it was. My mom was a saint. She put up with it. We probably <laughs> stood there for God knows how long. It felt like days. Sure. And we just want to play for a minute, and then you're just stuck doing it. Go into the N64. Um, you on Twitter, uh, even today, when I was saying I was interviewing you, um, you mentioned that this is your 
favorite system, if I read that properly. It's um, it's one of I said one of one of okay. Depending on the day, it might be my favorite. And that's a rare thing to hear, <laughs> you yeah. know. Like a lot, this is a, the N sixty four is extremely divisive. I waste a lot of ink defending the N sixty four. Okay, <laughs> that's and that's good. And that's a good thing. I have I have a lot of heart for it too. So what I'd love to do is first just talk about your first interactions with it, how you got your N sixty four with it when you were kids slash young adults, you know, whenever that happened to be, and then we'll kind of just talk about some of your experiences with it. Yeah, sure. Um, Okay, so uh, a little a quick story first. Um, so I recently um, was going through some of the boxes in my garage, which is like my family's. A lot of my family's like storage stuff ended up in my garage because I'm the only one with like a stable living situation. No shit on my family, but whatever. Right. Um, and so I was just kind of going through stuff. Found a box of old VHS tapes, and one of them was um, oh, here's a, a, a VHS that is our camcorder recording Christmas 1996. Um, and I was like, oh, what what year did I get my N64? Is this the one where I get my N64? So I pull it out, op- get my VCR, because of course I have a VCR. Right. Um, pop it in, you know, watching Christmas, getting the nostalgia feels. Um, and then, uh, and then, yeah, sure enough, uh, like just busted that thing open. And I mean, you've seen the meme with the kid Nintendo 64! <laughs> like, yeah. he and I got our N64 as the same Christmas, probably, because that, yep. that's, like, exactly my reaction. I was 10 years old, and um, it was... It was just kind of a revelation. Like, I remember my first time playing the N64 at, like, a kiosk in Toys R Us, and it was Mario 64, and I still have, like, the residual euphoric feeling of being like video games are now never going to be the same up until this point like i played donkey kong country and you know mario rpg and super mario brothers and uni racers and pit and and, uh, lemmings and all that stuff right um those are just some of my super nintendo offerings and racing games and all that stuff but nothing nothing in the world was like this nothing was like this controller Nothing looked like this. It was it was a it was a walking. It was a controllable Pixar cartoon. Yeah, you know, like yeah. a couple of years after Toy Story came out, and we're like, how in the world is this possible? It really so, didn't feel real. It felt yeah. It didn't. It was surreal, and it really was. So you kind of felt that sea change, like it hit you, like whoa. It it was probably like, and I mean, you can argue against this, but I think it was the biggest dynamic shift in gaming from generation to generation you know like like super mario brothers 3 in super mario world there's like a marginal change there you know like it's a little bit better in mario world the graphics and everything and it's really good but but mario 3 could have just been a super nintendo game and you wouldn't have really it would not in it it's not out of the realm of possibility but right. you went you took you took everything we were playing, everything we knew about video games and said, we're doing going to do, we're just going to do something completely different. And you have to relearn how to play video games now. Yeah. That, that hasn't happened since.
before we move on to a break, Mike Alberton from Games My Mom Found shares a story of terror, deception, and fruit juice. Um, so, Mr. Mike, um, you have a story about the N64 and your friend. Yes, one of the few things that I can remember about the N64, I can't remember most things about it anymore, is <laughs> I do remember when I, probably playing GoldenEye or Perfect Art with my friend, who have been friends with us for a very long time. We met when we were six, and we're, we're still our friends, even after this happened. I remember we were sitting there. He, he, we were, I don't remember exactly what we were doing, and but I had my 64 on the ground like an idiot. I didn't have it on a table. Later on after this, all my systems were always on a table, never on the ground. So we were, I don't remember what we were doing. All I remember is he had, he had Hawaiian Punch, and somehow we hit the table, and the Hawaiian Punch fell right on the N64 vent no. and just filled my N64 with red juice. Oh, no. So it was... It was terrible, and and then I don't remember a whole lot. I know I got one not too long after. I think what happened is one. I was upset, of course, because my sixty four yeah, died. I, yeah, I mean, <laughs> we went we went to my dad took it to a, rep, a repair shop, not like a games or anything, but just there was a little electronic repair shop somewhere in, not too far from us. And the guy went, okay. "Oh, there's a bunch of red goo on the on the motherboard. I can't fix it, but here I can sell you this refurbished one." Oh no, <laughs> you got. <laughs> so that was my first Wait. ever hand or. Er, pre-played system because everything else i had before them was always brand new because brand new. my dad was always like you gotta buy system brand new he wouldn't so, he didn't like them used wait a second so a few points here first off good for you for still being friends with this kid <laughs> it was nice. good for you because that's at the age where you can you can just x your friends out like that's it we're done on purpose um, yes i would have yeah <laughs> like i have a friend who when i when i first moved to minnesota i moved here for a girl it's like i moved states and he had my Diablo 2. I went to go pick it up and he slapped me in the head. You're an idiot. Never talked to him again after that. <laughs> That's all it takes sometimes. That's all it takes sometimes. But so so I just want to, I just want to kind of back up a little bit. You had the system on the ground, which you now know is a poor idea. Which I never did. <laughs> you never did that again because cause the, cause the, of the fruit punch. The You then take it to the repair shop. The guy, did he try to fix it? Like Supposedly. He opened it so, up and then I think that was as far as it got. <laughs> so, so wait a second. So you took it to you got you got swindled, my friend. You got <laughs> robbed by this guy. You got robbed. He took that machine and said, "Oh, there's red goop, huh?" But he gave us the old one back. He gave, he gave you the he old, gave us the red did. goop back. Oh, here you go. You can have it. No here you can have two now. So one you can stare at, and the other one you can give me a hundred bucks for. He looked at that that shyster. I want to call this guy. I want to like <laughs> the do funny a journalistic thing, the- thing and call him. Be like, see me, sir. Back in 1998, a young man gave you a N64 <laughs> filled with red goop. That was Hawaiian Punch. And rather than fixing it, you sold him a refurbished one. Um, why? why? And the funny thing is, that? I remember on the window of the building, it had a little Mario sign that said Nintendo, you know, systems were done here or something like that. Was the, was the, was the Mario, like, drawn by a child? No, it was an no actual, <laughs> like, real product that I think Nintendo could give you. And it had Mario in a little mechanics outfit holding a big yeah. wrench. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a real thing. Like, I've seen it before. It doesn't exist anymore, but it was a thing back then. Oh, no. So he was an authorized fixer man, as my son would, as my five-year-old would say, a fixer man. He was an authorized (laughs) fixer man, and he looked at that and said, I'm not. (laughs) I got some isopropyl alcohol back there that could probably take care of this, but no, I'm not not looking at it. I'm looking at and, this red goop and now, wow. And I will not drink Hawaiian punch really anymore. And I, that's probably because of trauma. <laughs> I just have no interest in it. It's not a, it's not a good, it's not a good soda or pop. Whatever word you want to use. Coke. If we're in Texas, right? Everything's Coke. 
No, no, no. Oh. Soda. Soda is kind of, I'm in Austin, so, you know, maybe okay. we're just too hip for the world, but soda. First off, you're an adult. You shouldn't be drinking Hawaiian Punch. And no offense to you out there if you do. I mean, follow your joy wherever your taste buds take you. But you, we're, 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 we're grown-ass men and women. We don't, we don't shouldn't do that. Drink Pepsi, drink Coke, don't drink I, <laughs> Yeah, I don't, I don't know when the last time I've had Hawaiian Punch was. I think... I don't know, twenty years. I mean, unless someone slips some vodka it. into it, you know, when I was in the, when I was in college it's good, it's at a good party, vodka. is it? I say, yes. I used to drink. My first time ever getting drunk off my ass at twenty one was drinking off-brand fruit punch from Cub with cheap <laughs> of vodka. Course. Well, of course, it's off-brand, and of course, the vodka was in a plastic thing, yeah, a, pl- a plastic, can, a plastic, yeah, a plastic jug with like a screw top on it. Of course, and I just how... got fired from my from a job, so I didn't. <laughs> when you got drunk off the fruit punch, you're like, oh, I'm toasting my N64. Mm-hmm. I just got fired from a job and I was on unemployment and my friend came to visit and I'm like, well, I guess we'll just get drunk off cheap stuff. <laughs> that's my first time ever getting drunk. That's, I think, how most people survive college, actually. That is usually how it works. That is crazy. Wow. Good for you being friends. And you and so you got the ref- so you got the refurbished one right away. I sounds think like. so. I don't okay. remember a whole lot. Like well, I, I don't understand why my whole 64 memory is just like gone. Like someone just cut it out and took it out with them. No, that, that's fine. It's probably the Hawaiian punch and vodka. Vodka combination. That's probably that came where it later. Went. That wasn't 64. <laughs> it went right to that brain state. That's that what you were trying later. to block out. Two thousand eight <laughs> or nine. Yeah, clearly not when you were in ninety ninety eight or no. whatever that was. Um, that's crazy, man. That's crazy. Good thing it didn't get on your game, though. That's good. At least it didn't ruin the game. Yeah, no, the, the game was fine. Okay, that's. I good. don't remember so a whole lot. I defense. remember probably okay. tipping it over and trying to get all the juice out, but it's like. <laughs> been so long <laughs> i can just imagine little mike and lily your friend just just haphazard just pan in panic just oh, yeah. pouring we out a, bo- a full glass because you know it was a full glass of juice it, was. it came from the kitchen of course it was so they, they right try to the drain, <laughs> drain this out onto some paper towels it's getting on the carpet oh man oh <laughs> dude well, at least you got that refurbished one. The game wasn't ruined. You didn't lose your saves. I still have the refurbished one at my parents' house. Does it work? Do I don't know, but I still have it. All right, they probably still work. Those things are like those things are like beasts. Okay. Oh, that's a fu- that's a, that is a sad story, but that is pretty it's funny now. Pr- it's it's funny now. <laughs> yeah, of course it is. Very good. Go for it. Enjoying this show. Great. Wow. So so glad to hear that. Well, if you're enjoying this show, allow me to introduce you to these three hello rad people. Ryan Payne of Gamers Week Podcast, Dan of Retro Logic Podcast, and Pete Harney. These friends of the show support me on Patreon, and you can join them by visiting patreon.com forward slash a gamer looks at 440. Check out the tiers, and if one strikes your fancy, sign on up. And thanks to, again, Pete, Dan, and Ryan for supporting the show. If the scale and majesty of seeing the Nintendo 64 in action was the first impression, the controller was the second. Despite being generally panned by the gaming public, this three-pronged wonder felt like the future in 1996. My next series of conversations focus on the sticks and buttons that made the games do their thing. 
Ryan starts us off, followed by Adam from the Retro Bygones Gaming Podcast and the Commodore Chronicles. And finally, more thoughts from Greg Seward. And then the, like, yeah. the, the 900-pound gorilla in the room is the controller itself. Yes, the, the very controversial N64 controller. Right. Um, have you, have you, I'm sure you've handled it before in like maybe conventions and such, even though you didn't um, grow up with it. Right. Um, what's your opinion on it? Well, actually, I mean, I I played GoldenEye with friends uh, back okay. in the day. So as did uh, everybody. Yes. Right, that was like a rite of passage <laughs> yes. in the the uh, the late uh, mid to late nineties, and I uh, loved the game at the time. So by all means, I had a lot of experience with that controller. Always felt it was a bit wonky too. So hmm. I understand that it was an innovation thing, right? Where we were putting a thumbstick like that on a on a on a controller, but it just it. It gets to the point in which that thumbstick starts to wear down the more you use it. Yes, for sure. So even to the point, if to my recollection, I think it's the only one where if you're selling it on eBay, you have to put a rating out of 10 as to how, uh, we'll say, like sticky or uh, <laughs> how... Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, wow. Uh, I didn't know that. Huh. Yeah. So often, if you don't put that often, you'll have people ask you, like, so Last how good me. how good's the thumbstick on it? Mm. So I get that. And yeah. as far as the, you know, there is, a, to my knowledge, I don't think there's an instance in which you use both the thumbstick and the D-pad at the same time. So the old, you need three hands to use it is a little, <laughs> little far blown in regards yeah. to that. It's just, it's an awkward feel to it uh, where your tipped, your left hand usually would be comfortably in kind of squared up with your right hand with most right. controllers where this one, it's like your wrist is kind of pulled in. Mm. As you play, so it just it just doesn't feel exactly right, uh, and therefore I've never really been a fan of it. Yeah, it's funny. Growing up, I never had a problem. I had an N sixty four growing up. Right. Um, I have a lot of fond memories of it. Um, because again, I played mostly the big hits. You have your Mario oh, yeah. sixty four, Mario Kart sixty four, your Star Fox. Um, two Turok games, which I, I'm not gonna say they're classics, but <laughs> not bad. You know, GoldenEye, of course. Sure. Um. I pick up an N64 controller now. If I'm going to play, let's say, for example, um, you know, Mario 64, mm-hmm. it still feels wonderful to me. Like, just that, it just feels right. And feels right. a hard, it's so subjective, right? Yep. And I can totally see somebody saying that hand configuration doesn't make sense. Because Nintendo at that era is a classic example of Nintendo overthinking what a developer is going to do. Right. You know, they're saying, hey, there's three ways to hold this thing. You can <laughs> do your thumb pad, you know, or a, yeah, D-pad and buttons. You can reverse hold with your th- right hand on the thumbstick and then use, I don't know, D-pad for something. I don't know. And no one did. Like, no one took advantage of it. It's one of those classic Nintendo things where they're like, hey, innovation. And then nobody does anything with it. <laughs> <laughs> so... um but I, I can never divorce myself from, from having it as a kid and having that first experience of Mario 64. With the N64, though, so you don't like the controller. What's What about it bugs you? Um, it's not ergonomic whatsoever. The whole left side of the controller is almost useless. The the directional pad is usually mirrored with the C buttons, and mm-hmm. the the stem that goes down the middle. It maybe it's just my hands. 
I had hand cramps so bad. My brother oh. would want to play like NHL 99. And I could play it. I, I had NHL 97 on my PC. I could play it on, on the PC with whatever controller. I could play it. I, I love the NHL series. Um, I could play it with any other controller. But I would get hand cramps. Mm. And uh, so most of the games I would pick up would be like a Perfect Dark or a, or a yeah. GoldenEye and, and, and play through a level or two because how short they were. And then I'd have to put the controller down. It was the ergonomics of how small that center grip is. I mean, it's bigger than the other two on the other side, but you can grab around the edge of the controllers. My left hand, um, to this day, well, not only that, I play guitar on top of it, mm-hmm. and, and I'm a data analyst. So my oh, wow. hands always, you know, even from, from, from being a young kid, they cramp up pretty bad, and I played hockey. Mm-hmm. Um, just my hand with that controller, it was just... I needed something else, and I, then when I found out they made, that Hori made that controller that was just you know a standard controller, I was super upset that I never bought one of those. Yeah, it's interesting because I I never had a problem with it growing up. I've handled it recently in like at gaming conventions and such. It is I still don't mind it, but playing games like GoldenEye, for example, is nigh impossible well, these days. It, I, it's the the perfect dark in the GoldenEye games controlled completely different than you know modern first person shooters do now. And even if you played with WASD and a mouse, you know you were you were strafing with one and you were turning with another. You know this right. was kind of back to the the Wolfenstein era. If you played on a keyboard, you were turning mm-hmm. with left and right and going forward with back and forth. Um, it, it mainly it's just. That was the that was the rub for me. I always felt like I wasn't doing the right thing. Mm. I ever had I, as again as a kid, I played tons of GoldenEye, never had a problem. Tons of Mario sixty four, never had a problem. I think the controller is is one of Nintendo's classic. We have lots of idea. Let's give people lots of possibilities, and then people used one possibility, yep. <laughs> like yep. developers did. Mm-hmm. They thought that developers would oh, we have the opportunity to give. Hold both sides of it. Use traditional D-pad and the buttons and hold the other way. If someone's left-handed, they could do – and it, it, oh, nobody ever did it more – the only time, the only thing anyone ever did was left hand on the stick, right hand on the on the side. Yep. And that's, and that's all the games did either. And again, it's more Nintendo just thinking that – trying to outthink what felt comfortable. But as far as an ergonomics for me as a kid, I never had a problem with the way that felt. I I don't love the way the the stick wears away, um, but I will never take away the joy of Mario 64 the first time I entered that world with the controller in my hand and started navigating 3D space. You know when I really started to like Mario 64? Mm. When I played it on an emulator with my with my Xbox 360 controller. <laughs> I was like, wow, this is really good and controls really nice. Oh, it's nice. And, and the okay. same thing happened too with um my son has a 3DS and I bought him Zelda Ocarina of Time. I had my brother had it on the N64 and I barely played it. And then my son's got the the 3DS version and I find that even even with the the flat thumbstick, I find that a little easier to play. Yeah. It's interesting. I again I 
I, for me though, it just kind of clicked, but I totally get why people wouldn't, especially if it gave you cramps. I mean, that's obviously not ideal design. Uh, maybe my hands just worked for it, I don't know. I have sausage fingers, so. <laughs> <laughs> what, what about that controller do you dislike? Uh, I remember, so I remember the first time I saw a picture of that controller, uh, a, a buddy of mine who was, who was way more into sort of, um, trolling the internet for news at a time when it wasn't as easy to do that, sure. um, sent me an image. I don't even remember what, over what service he would have done that ICQ maybe, I don't know. Um, and said like you know this this image was leaked i think this is the n64 controller and i remember looking at it and just thinking what in the name of god is that you know that three prong <laughs> thing and then when you first see it and realize oh i'm supposed to hold it your hand positions are what dictates how you use the thing i just never ever loved the design of that controller um yeah you know looking back on it now obviously any analog controller that only has one analog stick is kind of hard to wrap your head around because we're sure. so used to dual now but I did love the fact that it was analog. Um, that was um, very innovative at the time, obviously. And clearly the controller was built to be played with with Mario 64. Um, everything left of the analog stick on that controller feels like an afterthought. Because I think it was. <laughs> it was. It absolutely was. Yeah. It feels like somewhere somebody said, well, we still need a D-pad, you know. I think what they were trying to do with that was because I remember the a lot of the the media around it or the advertisements around it was like multiple ways to play, right? You yeah. can some games will have it with your hand one hand on the D pad, the other on the butt on the buttons. Most games will have you in the center. Maybe the other will be right handed on the center and left on the D pad. And mm -hmm. I think it was a classic Nintendo design, like, ooh, let's give people the developers the freedom to make more experiences. And nobody did. <laughs> yeah. Nobody did. They were just like, we're just going to play it like a controller. You know? I, f I feel like, well, looking back on it now, because we couldn't have known that this was the case back then. But looking mm. back on it now, like, if you look at the NES, um, you know, it feels like sort of a an evolution of what came before it as far as, you know, like the 2600 and the ColecoVision and all that sort of thing. It really refined what a controller would be and, and set the stage for what controllers were going to be for like the next 20 years. Right. Um, Super Nintendo, again, like the show, introducing the shoulder buttons was a big deal. But again, it felt more of an evolution, right? Here's the system, still cartridge based, still two controller ports. Here's a controller, pretty much the same as the old one, but it has more buttons. And hey, we've put a couple on the shoulders. That's new. That's innovative. That's that's important. Right. And then with mm -hmm. the N64, when you look at it, it's like still cartridge based, just more powerful Four controller ports on the front. That's an mm -hmm. evolution again. That makes perfect Huge. sense. But yep. the controller is just this weird, you know, it's still got the vestiges of what a controller was. But at the mm. same time, it's like we're going to go out of the box here, outside the box here. And I feel like looking back on it now. It was the beginning of Nintendo being Nintendo and doing mm. their own thing. You know, yeah. it was still sort of in that in that um, horsepower rat race that console manufacturers were and still are in for the most part, except for Nintendo. But, you know, deciding to go cartridge instead of CD was a huge thing at that point. And sure. what you were talking about, 
the marketing around the controller and like, well, cartridges don't have load times. Like the remind, you know, the sort of um, alternate uh, ideas while still sort of being in that, that horsepower race. Mm-hmm. Um, the, I think it was the earliest glimpses of us seeing what Nintendo was going to become where by the time they hit the Wii, it was just like, we're just doing our own thing. Yeah. From now on, we're doing our own thing. We're Nintendo and we're going to do what we want and it's going to work. And it always has. So, you know, and I think this was the very first glimpse of that. Again, back in 1995, none of us knew that. No, of course not. uh, So you you look at a weird controller, you're like, what is this thing? Yeah. Right. I I, I know people also have said that the weak, the N64 controller doesn't fit well in their hands. Their hands are like too big. It just wasn't comfortable. Um, which I totally get that. Yeah. Um, it always felt okay in my hands. I never had a serious problem with it, other than you know all the chalky stuff that builds up in the uh, analog <laughs> stick, and then all of a sudden stops working. You're like, oh, yeah, yeah. And the um, uh, if you play Mario uh, Party and, and you, you yeah. wear a hole in the palm of your hand by <laughs> the analog stick. Yep. 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 Continuing the controller conversation, Michael K. Hughes, Raji, and finally Dan share more opinions on one of the most bizarre mainstream controllers in gaming history. It's the worst Nintendo controller, too. I'll, I'll come out and say that. So I hate here's that thing. F- <laughs> really? Why do you hate it so much? I just It's so weird to hold. Like, I always think of that image of three hands holding the controller each stick and it's just it feels like that's what you need to hold it correctly <laughs> well, the controller is bizarre it's classic nintendo yeah, honestly totally like, classic nintendo it overthinks what people are going to do with it and more importantly what developers are going to do mm-hmm. hey let's give a controller that has multiple ways of holding it so if a, if a developer wants to use the right hand for the buttons and the left hand for the d-pad you can do that left hand for the stick you could do that or right hand stick, left hand D, no A, no B. What? This is the weirdest you... game of Twister I've ever played. <laughs> Seriously. But it's it's they made this thing that was supposed to be so customizable. And no one did it. Everyone just used it yep. in the traditional middle right manner. <laughs> and I know it never bothered me as a kid or again, I was in the, I was 16. So I guess I wasn't a kid then, but it never bothered me as a teenager. You know, it just was what it was. And I never had a problem. But now if I use it to play again, like Goldeneye, I can't move. I'm, I can't, I, 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 I probably, wonder, I probably didn't have a problem with it at the time either until the GameCube came out and that controller is just like pure perfection for Nintendo. So to go back to the 64 is like, what were they thinking here? A lot of the people I've interviewed so far have said, I just don't like the controller. And for a number of reasons, if one person doesn't quite fit their hand, you know, just my hands never fit it. It's like, okay, well, that makes sense, right? It's a personal fair. experience, right? But I really do think that that controller is is interesting. And especially that thumbstick was very, very special. Um, what do you think about the uh, the controller for the N64? Oh, boy. Um, let, me, uh, let me see if I can boil it down to not be a... 25 minute sermon here for you. <laughs> um, I, I think looking at it now, it is so nostalgic for me. It, it, the form factor, the colorful buttons, the memories associated with it. 
And uh, again, like I, I've been kind of annoyed trying to buy that new one for the Nintendo Switch because it's out of stock. Right. But I'm also going to say in the same breath, I think it's my least favorite of all the Nintendo controllers. And that sounds weird. Mm-hmm. But just the goofiness of it, like, yeah, it, it introduced us with that uh, to the analog stick. And it, it, they didn't invent the analog stick, but they, again, they made it mainstream. It was sure. the primary way to play a console. I really like that about it. The C buttons are a little, now that I think back and I play on it, you know, it's it's a little weird. I mean, I get what they're doing. It eventually became another stick on other consoles, right? But right. Um, I just, I love the nostalgia of it. I love how it looks. I love the colorful buttons. I love the form factor for the nostalgia, but for holding on to it, it's goofy. It's It's a little bit wacky. Enjoy music? Of course you do. Do you make playlists of your favorite music? Of course you do. And if you indeed answered yes to both of those questions, do I have the podcast for you, Playlist Wars. Every episode, hosts Brian, Gomez, and a rotating third mic each build a 10-song playlist from a specific artist, genre, or topic. The crew shares their lists on the show, and the listeners decide which playlist reigns supreme. I recommend their Foo Fighters episode for first-timers, and not just because of what recently happened with the passing of Taylor Hawkins, uh, but it's just a really good episode, and it's a lot of fun to share those songs that they fell in love with. And I selfishly love their ska punk covers episode as well. Uh, for reasons that should be readily apparent to friends and family of mine. An amazing concept pulled off beautifully by two super rad people. Playlist Wars, wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. We can start, of course, with the controller, which people hate. People hate the controller. I've never understood the vitriol towards the controller, it always felt good in my hands. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Call me crazy. I'm holding um, one right now. It's and my only gripe with this controller is the quality of the thumbstick. Right. That That's was it. always the big thing. Yeah. It's comfortable to hold. The button placement makes sense. Like, you know, and, and people are like, Oh, you need three hands. It's like, well, okay, now you're just being weird. Like no game right. expects you to have three hands. You're either I, doing D pad or joystick. You're never doing both. Like, come on. Right, and it's the only controller that has a lefty mode. (laughs) Yeah, right. Yeah, it's the only (laughs) controller that has a lefty mode, and I think, and and no one ever took advantage of it. And Nintendo is full of that. They always, they're always making innovations nobody uses. Um, And this is one of the first examples. Uh, But the simple one for the controller is the is that thumbstick. Yeah, that didn't exist in gaming and console gaming at least. the PlayStation wasn't doing that. Like nobody was doing that kind of there analog were, control. There were um, smatterings of it here and there. I believe the Sega Saturn had a th- quote, unquote, unquote 3D controller that they used for things like Nights into Dreams. Um, but it was certainly was not the preferred way of playing most of those games. It was like right. it was kind of like a, a, a peripheral than it was right. to be used okay. as as the input method for the for the console. This is the first time that a company said, we're going all analog um, for our 3D games, and we're not turning back. Like, here's your D-pad for Mischief Makers, and here's what we're going to do with everything else, the control stick. (laughs) 
Another common knock against the N64 is the visuals. While the subject was broached you know, here, there, and everywhere, Dan from Retrologic Podcast made a really compelling argument for why the sights aren't as bad as everyone says. In fact, it's really all about expectations. But talk, let's talk about fidelity then, because again, a lot of people do bag on the N64 <coughs> for... It, for its graphical, graphical fidelity, muddy textures, blocky. Uh, a lot of that I think you can chalk up to just developers like we've been talking about still learning, learning, relearning their jobs almost. Yeah, yeah right? kind of. Um, What's your take on that? Man. And what, how would you respond to somebody saying, yeah, but have you, have you looked at Quest 64? It looks gross. Or have you looked at these textures? Ugh. Yeah, here's my thing. Um, so what are we what are we comparing it to, right? We're probably comparing it to PlayStation, maybe Saturn. I don't think anybody would say that. Well, Saturn has some interesting things going on. But the PlayStation and the N64 are vastly different pieces of hardware. Um, yes. The N64 was built from the ground up to throw as many polygons on and as many colors on screen as possible. Because Nintendo is going into it with the mentality like, look, we're going to make um, cartoons you could play. Okay. That's what Nintendo does. Nintendo makes right. Mario and Yoshi and Donkey Kong and, and Star Fox and, you know, and Animal Crossing. And Nintendo makes cartoons you can play. They're a toy company. Right. Um, sure. The PlayStation went into it like, um, we are going to take what th- – they were brand new in the game. So they're going to take um, movies – as a reference point and say, we're going to make our things look as much like a movie as we can. And so they took their hardware and focused much more on the textures Um, because that's how you make something that's flat look a little more 3D-ish if you can, if if you Mm -hmm. will. Um, So, so that with, with those mentalities in mind, like neither way is right or wrong, but but Mario 64 puts out more, uh, more um, polygons, you know, and just like rounds things off and makes things and, and things come alive and the colors are brighter. And um, if you try to make something that looks like Mario 64 for the PlayStation, it's going to be jaggedy and like very low poly. And so that's kind of my, that's always my argument is it's like, okay, but what do you want to play? Like, mm. I, like Donkey Kong, nothing on the PS one comes close to what Donkey Kong 64 looks like. Donkey Kong 64 looks as good as early GameCube games do. Like if you look at animal crossing and, and, uh, or like, you know, uh, the Star Wars Rogue Squadron game next to mm-hmm. Donkey Kong yep. 64, you're like, oh, D- Donkey Kong 64 could have been a GameCube game. And it's because they focused on the polygons. You know, they made everything look nice and round and Donkey Kong has character and, you know. Yeah. But you look at the spread, you look at the polygons for Cloud in Final Fantasy VII and you're like, oh, he's like nine polygons. Like, what are we doing? That's not a, <laughs> why are his hands like f- giant fists? Like, what's... <laughs> right. So, right. I, and, 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 um, N64 couldn't really do pre-rendered, you know, it didn't have the space for it. So you get these nice, beautiful film-esque pre-rendered graphics, but that's the thing. If you want to play a movie, 
play PlayStation. If you want to play a toy, play Nintendo. And that's kind of always been the case. Yeah, so, and that's and that's a very interesting take on it. It's what experience do you want? And to guess, take it a little step further, what did you expect? Sure. Right? Especially if you're looking at the earlier N64 games. Like we've been saying a, a few times in this conversation, they were still figuring it out. Mm-hmm. And PlayStation developers, Sony developers, they were still figuring it out. Some of those early yeah. PlayStation games oh are horrendous. The like, launch they lineup are, of the PS1 is just fugly. <laughs> I mean, yeah. <laughs> I don't even know what it is. I was, I, ju- I was not a PS PlayStation kid at all. I was always yeah. Team Nintendo. I have literally no recollections of the PS1, but... Not until um, Final Fantasy VII did we bother with it. Yeah, and I think that's mostly the case for a lot of people. Um, Final Fantasy VII was the the system seller for yeah. that that console. And, and I just want to say, like, yeah. I, I have no hate for the PlayStation. No, a- I mean... Ape Escape is one of my favorite games of all time. Ape Escape's great. Oh, my gosh. Parappa <laughs> the Rapper, like, come on, dude. Never but, played that one, man. Oh, I, man. I, I know. Do that you was... have a PS4 or PS5? I do. Okay, I do. S- slap that uh, remaster version on your yeah? console. Get it? Yeah. Wait for a sale and just grab it because you're gonna okay. have a blast. It's like I early, early rhythm game, but uh, like yeah. the music is so good, and you're just gonna you're gonna have a, a fun time. Sweet. Yeah. Uh, I will definitely do that after this recording for sure. But that that's the thing. Cool. I look at the games for the PlayStation that I like, and I'm like, oh, those are Nintendo games. <laughs> ah. <laughs> yeah. Like right. I don't want to yeah. play Resident Evil. I want to play freaking Ape yeah. Escape. Like. <laughs> <laughs> and again that's what 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 are you here for yeah, right i mean exactly. that's 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 really the the kind of I guess the messaging of that because again that's always been the big detraction against the n64 is a it's ugly but again i don't know i i land in the beautiful field of mario 64 and i think it's beautiful there's the birds chirping there's it's there's a little there's a little breeze it's i it's gorgeous i think i don't know the snow levels are are awesome, you know, and I don't I don't know. I one they look my, cool to me. One of the prettiest games on on the N sixty four, weirdly, is this game called Beetle Adventure Racing. You're the second person who's brought up oh Beetle Adventure gosh. Racing. It's so good. It has no right to be as good as it is. <laughs> what is that? I, it's been a while. I've, I've done these interviews now for I think the last three months. So remind me what Beetle Adventure Racing is. That's a. It's a licensed racing game featuring all VW Beetles. You know, different colors, different eras. Um, and but just the 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 level design in these ga- in this game is bananas. Secret passageways all over the place, crazy jumps, like, it's chaos. Um, And it's so fun in multiplayer. I don't know. Honestly, it's just one of those games that has no right to be as good as it is for, like, what it is. I love that. Yeah. Love it. Hate it want to throw it out a window, nobody can deny the many innovations the N64 provided mainstream gaming. In our final segment of the show, Dan shares stories of playing with friends, my brother Bobby talks about packs, lots and lots of packs, and then Dan returns to share one final thought on one of his top three consoles of all time. And also people forget a big part of it, and I definitely want to hear if you have stories about this piece of the N64, I'd love to hear it, is the multiplayer. It was the first console to have built-in four-player support. Yeah, that's right. Which changed 
everything. That's mm-hmm. sea change right there because now, I mean, you can't, you know, every console, of course, supports four player to a certain extent. Um, but that was, you know, and the big success of, of the N64 was its multiplayer. It was the first time a lot of gamers played co-op, you know, four player co-op in GoldenEye and in Smash Brothers and you know whenever was, whenever yeah. I get into Twitter arguments which I should probably stop doing cuz nobody wins <laughs> nobody wins over so like, yeah over like PS1 versus versus um N64 and you know <clears throat> I always bring up the multiplayer thing and <laughs> I almost feel bad because I'm like didn't you have friends oh. like Oh boy! <laughs> yeah, great RPGs, awesome. Like pre-rendered yeah. graphics. Ooh, anybody could do that. But like multiplayer Mario Kart sixty-four is like a foundational memory I have. You know, Super Smash Brothers sixty-four is still one of my favorite games to pick up and play with friends. Now, more ironically, because it's kind of dated, but it's still sure. fun. I mean, Diddy Kong sure. Racing. I mean, the list yeah. goes on and on. Did you so did you play a lot of multiplayer on your N64? Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah, that's like yeah. I mean a lot. I think most of my games we got for the multiplayer. Um like and and even the games like um oh man. Okay, so Star Fox 64 is to me is like my favorite N64 game. But the downfall of Star Fox 64 was that they kind of had to shoehorn multiplayer into it, which is not yeah. a very good mode. Um, but like that was kind of the era of, okay, guys, every game has multiplayer now, you know, <laughs> like right. Donkey right. Kong 64, put multiplayer in it. Conquest yep. Bad Fur Day, which actually has a really good multiplayer mode, throw multiplayer at it. Like single player experiences are great, but we're going multiplayer. Um and I mean, they designed the console around it, like you said, with the four four controller ports, and yeah, just yeah, I yeah. played tons of multiplayer. Who did you play multiplayer with? Did you have like friends and neighborhood came over, yeah, family yeah. members? Like... Kind of had the same group of friends. Um, from how old was I when I got that thing? I was ten. Yeah, so like ten, middle school, middle school through high school. I uh, kind of changed friends groups a little bit, but. I mean, really, you're only active on a system for, what, like five years, so... Right, right, right. So, 96 to 2000 or so. Um, my big brother also would play a lot with me, um, and some of his friends would come over and we'd all play. So, yeah, there was actually quite a few of us. Um, we had a pretty good group of friends, and then I had, like, neighbors, so... I mean, and I got mine launch year, so my house was mm. the place to be. Like, gotcha. Yeah. Nice. As soon as people found out I had one, they were like, oh, we're going to be friends with Dan now because he's got the N64. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So, nice. Yeah. Did you have like the janky controllers for your friends that came over? And totally. Then you had the, yeah, of course. You had some yeah. mad cats lying around. Nice. Um, and there is actually one third-party controller that I remember. And I can't remember the name of it now. But it's it's a little bit thicker to hold and it's transparent. And it had turbo buttons and it had kind of a more of a steel, more of a metal, more sturdy stick and actually preferred that controller to the N64. So, so, um, but yeah, otherwise, yeah, it was like, here's your crappy controller or whatever. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Good luck with that one. That's pretty good. I, um, and I think you, you hit on something pretty interesting about developing games on the N64 and how 
everyone had to change, including developers. Mm-hmm. Like you said, camera angles now and right like we how we do we now- control the camera i mean the control scheme for turok and the control scheme for goldeneye are are as different as you can get yes you know uh-huh. with yep. goldeneye they're literally like no you have to strafe so right. control your character with the c buttons and your camera is the c stick and we're like hold up what <laughs> <laughs> i just learned how to control mario and now you're switching it up on me what the- hang hang on you want me to do what when yeah. and how who now how what yeah. like, and then you play goldeneye and it's like oh yeah no strafing you're like well, hold up <laughs> it's really really interesting it's, well and it's, i think that's when yeah. when people look back on the n64 um unfondly it's probably because they're like man everything was janky and it's like well okay well the first Yes, it was janky, but it was like lovably janky. <laughs> like, mm. um, you, we were talking about multiplayer, and you had mentioned that those years of N sixty four playing multiplayer with your friends in your basement were some of the best years of your life, or some of the best memories you've had, probably of that era. Definitely. Um, and when I think back on things like that, there are always moments that stick out, like moments that. <laughs> cement that emotion do you have like a moment or a story you can share where you felt that kind of Mm. almost child zen if that makes sense it's yeah i have a horrible memory so i mostly remember like feelings and people um but i do remember okay so this is a melee memory Mm. this is not an n64 memory but i hope that's okay because okay. uh, that was that was really the era where things really got crazy. One of my friends was unstoppable. He played as Mario, and he was unstoppable. Nobody could beat him. Um, and I was playing Donkey Kong as as I do. Um, and so I did a little bit of uh, like ch- talking around to people, like, "Oh, who do you play as? Who do you play as? Like, who who's like good against Mario?" Um, and somebody was like, Oh, try Pikachu. He's like really fast and he's able to like, um, recover really well. So I spent an entire weekend, like 12 hours a day, just going up against like level nine computers with Pikachu to try to try to like really, really get good. And like the next time that I saw him, um, I was like, Hey, like, can I like go, you know, you want to do smash brothers. And if I win, um, we put, we put like 20 bucks on it or something. He was like, whatever, okay. dude. Um, dude, I kicked his butt, man. And I, a part of me today <laughs> thinks that he maybe like let me win, but I don't huh. know. There was money on the line. Like that was a good feeling. So to this day, it's, it's Pikachu for me and Smash Brothers. Oh, wow. So you switched yeah. your main from Donkey Kong to Pikachu. Yeah. And, and I'll still do Donkey been. Kong if we're doing like a party round with like four players and craziness. Yeah. Cause he's, he's the crowd control king. But okay, Pikachu is my guy for one-on-one hardcore. Interesting. Yeah, that's cool. I think it's interesting because um, that's definitely a story of of you being victorious against. Uh, sounds like he thought, was uh, pissed, almost insurmountable. <laughs> <laughs> I was yeah, like, was not pleased that he lost. No. Oh, that's a bummer. Um, that's interesting. That's pretty cool, man. Congrats, I Thank guess, you. 20, 25 years later. I'll take a congrats. Hell yeah. Thank you. Right on, man. <laughs> it's, I, it's cool when you have that victory, right?
did any now another little side note with N64, there was a, a controller port on the back. You can add a rumble pack. Again, yes. kids, here I go again. <laughs> Put my old man hat on. Your controller didn't vibrate on its own. Uh, right. You had to buy that separately. And so <laughs> we had the rumble pack. I, I think it was kind of expensive. I think it was like 50 bucks for one. And, well, but, but, well. But there were also yeah. um, uh, knockoffs for the first time. There were. And that you could but buy as well. if you. You, it came with the came with Star Fox sixty four. Oh, that's right. Yeah, they they really wanted it. to push that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that if you remember the videotape, the in, the Nintendo Power videotape of Star Fox sixty four. Absolutely. With the cheesy, yeah, the cheesy, you know, the, the stunt pilot for the Star Fox sixty four is kidnapped by the Sony and play, Sony and man, did they really bite back in Sony and Sega, the Sony <laughs> and Sega goons? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm, this is good pizza, Peter. Glad you could join us. <laughs> Bob, your test fighter pilot just spilled his guts about Star Fox 64. Peter, you didn't tell him about the rumble pack, did you? No. Bob, you just did. I did. You did. Spill it, big boy. Make me. With pleasure. Look at your little plumber boy now. What are you doing? That's the Mario doll hooked up to the battery table coaster, Ted. That's enough. That's enough. All right. This is the Rumble Pack. The big reason why Star Fox 64 is the coolest cinematic gaming experience there is. It's designed with a force feedback device that lets players feel the game. Wait a second. You're telling me that this rumble pack actually lets players feel the game? What, like you're actually in the cockpit, flying and fighting? That's impossible. Nuh-uh. Yeah. Hook it up. I want to feel this myself. Um, but that was a big deal, the Rumble Pack. That was like a huge selling point. And there was also, that, there that was, was where you put your, um, your save pack, too. I was going to say, so there was also a save pack. Now, a lot of yeah. games still had built-in memory, but yeah. some games didn't have room for that anymore. <laughs> so they had to find a way to put the save pack. On PlayStation and games like that, it's a CD-ROM. There's no way to save on a ROM. Right. They had to. So they yeah. had to use a card, and that became the culture with that. But with Nintendo, it was more of a grace period for them. Even, mm. um, yeah, once then once GameCube got involved, then that was a, that was a CD-ROM of It was sorts. just a norm, yeah, at that point. But, but N64 was the last holdout with cartridges where they can actually do it. But did we any of our games insist on a save pack? Was it necessary for any of the games we owned? It wasn't necessary for um, for Super Mario. No. I know that for a fact. Yeah, I don't think it was necessary for Goldeneye either. No, no. I don't know. I honestly don't know. I think Turok right, Two might I, be the only one that I can think. Maybe. of. Maybe Turok yeah. Two, and I don't know, but I don't know if it was required. I, 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 it's hard. I to don't remember. know. Yeah. I mean, I, I had one, but yeah. you know, I yeah, don't. Yeah. I don't remember. I'd have hmm. to. I'd have to dig it out. But. <laughs> Yeah. 
Another another thing that the N64 um, I thought was very innovative was, and again, this is a thing that never had happened before, is is Rumble. The Rumble pack, Rumble. which came with the with Star Fox 64. That's right. Um, that was a big deal. Like feeling your controller and f- actually feeling, you know, when you accelerate or boost forward in Star Fox 64 to feel that thing vibrate in degrees was people take it for granted now. Like your controller shakes. You just real. it's that's what controllers do. Of course, they rumble. That's just a yeah. thing that happens. Um, but it's it's a very that was one of the first things too. I thought Star Fox sixty like I said earlier, Star Fox sixty four is my favorite N sixty four game. It's always number one on my list when I'm like making a top five list of N sixty four games. Um, and part of that reason is because it it not only um, kicked off the Rumble Pack situation, it it executed a brand new feature flawlessly i mean yeah you know boosting you felt a little rumble when you crashed it was like you know like (laughs) you could hear the motor turning yeah Um, it was and like you know the hardware itself could have been better designed like it took batteries you know that's a little crazy that's right it took triple a batteries that's right it did Um, it did come with batteries to nintendo's credit but that right, was a little, right, right. That was a little rough. We've kind of talked about it, but I always like doing a little sum up at the end. Yeah. Um, even though we kind of did. Um, let's say you meet somebody. Um, maybe that's our age, right? And this is not a Twitter conversation. This is an actual person in your midst sharing space <laughs> with you, mm-hmm. a, a, a person. And it could be someone maybe younger or whatever. And they say, you know, I've never, you know, I really don't have an opinion on N64. I've never really played with it. What would be your elevator pitch to them? Okay. Say, hey, you know what, man? The N64 stuff's on, some of the, the classics are on Switch Online right now. You can grab that controller. Here's why I think you should give it a go. So first of all, I wouldn't send them to Nintendo Switch Online. It's no, is it bad? Is the emulation that bad? Well, I, I refuse to pay more money to Nintendo. It's not that it's bad. Like, it's totally playable. And if you have nostalgia for these games, like, awesome. It's just suboptimal. Um, there's a little bit of a, there's a little bit of lag. Some of the graphics didn't transfer over. The controller's not the same. And I want to give this person the authentic experience. So I'll probably just invite them over. Um, because the, an N64 experience has to be a multiplayer experience. Mm. Um, I, I might send them to play like Banjo Kazooie or some of the highly, highly rated like single player 3d platformer games. Cause those Banjo Kazooie holds up really, really well. Um, I'd probably have him play Star Fox as well because that that game it was perfected on the N sixty four. That's so good. But yeah. you know, we would probably play some Mario Party. Um, we'd mm. probably play some Mario Tennis. Mario Tennis is super fun on the N sixty four. What else we got? I don't know that we would play Golden Eye. That one's kind of rough these days. It's but I'll, I'll tell you, Conk, I'm, I've said it. I said it once on this podcast, and I got to reiterate. We're playing Conker's Bad Fur Day multiplayer because <laughs> it, it has the best modes. That's and funny. there's nothing funnier than watching watching cartoon foxes and squirrels just explode with blood everywhere. <laughs> so that, that would be my pitch is uh, it's got to be multiplayer. It's got to be authentic. Um, and you got to, you know, you got to blow in the cartridges. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> I, I think to distill that is I think that the, the, the the heart of that then would be I would encourage you to try it with somebody. Oh, totally. 
that and that I think is the key. And I think if we were to put like an exclamation point on the conversation is the N64 sung the best when it was played with the people because that's what it was designed to do. Definitely. After listening back to all the conversations I've had and the memories of the N64, one thing is readily apparent. The Nintendo 64 was destined to be divisive. There was no way this was going to be a universally loved console. No chance. Firstly, it came off the heels of the Super Nintendo, which arguably is one of the greatest consoles ever made. It was a beloved system that was still churning out hit after hit. You think about the Super Nintendo, that did not have a fall-off point. There was no degradation. You had Chrono Trigger came out the year before the N64 did. And rather than just following that track and following the trends to CDs and cinematics, the N64 took chances. It had a strange controller, rumble packs, built-in four-player, expansion packs. I don't even think we talked about the expansion pack. You could put a little extra four megs of RAM in that bad boy if you wanted. It just took a right turn where everything else was going left. And like most innovators, it got mocked. A lot. It really did. And while if you had asked me back in those days if the N64 was going to be the butt of a lot of jokes 20 years later, I probably would have said, no, why? It's super fun. But these days, I get it. I can look back on that thing and say, wow, there were some, uh, there's some issues with it. But I personally cannot divorce myself from the hours upon hours spent traversing Super Mario 64 or blasting creatures out of the sky in Star Fox or racing in Wario Stadium in Mario Kart 64. And to be perfectly honest, I certainly can't ignore what that system meant to me personally as it got me and my brother through some pretty dark times in our history. But that is a conversation for another episode. But on the next episode of A Gamer Looks at 40, we will be discussing Super Mario 64, arguably one of the greatest expressions of what the N64 could do with control, visuals, and just pure gameplay fun. And as always, if you enjoy the show, please connect with me on Twitter at agamerlooksat4040. If you go into the bio, I have a link tree link there. Takes you to all my things, to my Patreon, to my Twitch channel, to my Instagram and Facebook, and all the other places you can download and enjoy this very podcast. Thanks again for checking out the show, and continue being awesome.